0: Some of those thoughts nag at us sometimes, don't they? When we've taken a step forward, we feel like we're doing well in our sanctification, but the next day or the next hour, perhaps the next minute, it feels like we've slid back five steps. We, We proclaim and we really do love the Lord, and yet when you look at our life, it's a shambles. So often it makes us question, am I really a Christian? We doubt it. Sometimes we despair. There's no hope for me. After all that I've done, the guilt of doing the same thing over and over and over, I'm 44 now, you'd think I'd be over at least a couple of sins, right? Perhaps you have the same types of things where, how can I still be here? And if I'm still here, then what does that say about my relationship with God? We're prone to despair. And so often those questions arise in front of us, the guilt of what we've done and yet the rooster in our text speaks to that. doesn't exactly speak, but work with me there just a little bit. The rooster crows a heartbreaking crow that he, when, when that rooster cries, it pierces Peter's heart. And yet at just the right moment, God causes that rooster to crow, not simply to break Peter, but to break him that he might taste the depth of God's mercy and grace. That's where we're going to go this evening. We're going to spend a little bit of time looking at Peter, his genuine love, and we're going to look at his, his uh, vehement denial, and then we'll spend a little bit of time with that rooster. So be, we begin at verse 30. You might know or remember that if you look just at the verses ahead, verse 26 and so on, Jesus takes bread and during the time of the Passover, and he breaks it and he says, this is the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate that tonight. He says, this is what I'm about to do. My body will be broken for sinners. And after that uh, service is finished, after supper, if you will, verse 30, they sing a hymn, and then they go out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus goes out to begin to accomplish that which he just pictured in the Lord's Supper. And then Jesus speaks to the disciples, and he warns them, or actually he prophesies four particular things. You can look in verse 31 if you like. You'll see a few things there that Jesus says. Jesus makes all kinds of prophecies. And in this chapter, each of them comes true except for one. So if I can remember the four of them, the first is, you will all fall away because of me this night. Jesus promises that they will all fall away, particularly Peter, that he will have a falling away, that he will deny the Lord Jesus. And we see that in verse 69 and following. You also see him quoting from Zechariah chapter 13. That's some homework for you. Look that up later this evening. I think it's beginning at verse 9. But uh, there he he quotes Zechariah uh, and he writes, I will strike the shepherd. So again, the shepherd, it's just referring to God's shepherd, to Jesus himself, will be struck, will be hit. And we see that come up in the chapter. I didn't read that part, but Jesus is, is beaten and slapped. Not only will he be struck, but the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Verse 57 and so on, you read that the disciples all flee, they run away. And yet the very last one there is another promise that doesn't happen or isn't fulfilled in our text, but verse 32 after I am raised up, there's another prediction, I'll rise rise again, I will go before you to Galilee. And I just want you to remember, the only other time we read of Galilee, significantly in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, and there you read of a land of deep darkness, and light will shine where? On the nations, those in Galilee, right? Galilee of the Gentiles. That's where that light will shine. That's going to come back in just a little bit. But Jesus gives even there, after this, the shepherd's going to be struck, the sheep are going to scatter, you guys are going to deny me he gives him a little glimmer of hope. Galilee, I'll meet you there. Remember what's happening there? So Jesus prophesies, and then, and then Peter uh, speaks up. <laughs> you know Peter, right? <laughs> uh, jumped out of the boat first, and he is all, he's rebuked Jesus before. Peter answers and says, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. What you see here is, is pride. Don't just rank pride. Peter, you are a proud, well, I won't add another word to that, but you're proud. But I don't think that's actually it, do you? Is this, is this Peter speaking out of rank? Pride? No, I think this is Peter's genuine love for the Lord. I will not fall away. There's a, there's a deep commitment there. And Jesus argues with him. He says, no, truly you will fall away. You'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. But again, you see Peter's love, the depth of it. He's learned something. Verse 35, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Now, if you remember, Peter's not very, um, Peter doesn't love pain. You may remember earlier that he rebuked Jesus for the idea even of going to the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Peter doesn't like pain at all, but he's, he's come a long ways. Now he's willing to die, but he won't deny. And all the other disciples say the same thing there's lots more evidence in the chapter of peter's love for the lord jesus look at verse 51 with me for a minute here is peter bold and strong for the lord behold one of those the whole group is around jesus and they're about to seize him jesus has just betrayed him and behold one of those who were with jesus it's peter we learn in john stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And that's a big deal. There's a whole group of There's no hope of you guys winning. But Peter stands up for the Lord. He steps between himself and the Lord Jesus. He will protect his Lord. There's a, there's a depth of love there. Peter loves the Lord. And although Peter flees, I think it's a little bit later on in the chapter, they all flee away. It's verse 58. Peter follows at a distance. He his, his emotions or his love actually catches up with him, and he follows after Jesus despite the danger that it uh, proposes. I just want to pause there for a moment. It's not the main point of the text, but we need to ask ourselves, do, do you love the Lord Jesus? There could be a lot of knowing about him, knowing the word, memorizing things, wonderful things to do. But Peter genuinely loves the Lord. There, there are things different in his life because he loves God. What about in your life? Are you willing to take a hit? might not be a, you know, I have to pull out a sword or something, but, but to, to feel pain where you deny yourself or where you courageously step forward for the Lord and witness about Him. Do you love the Lord? Is there a, is there a devotion to the Lord? Do you spend time thinking about his word, thinking about how glorious he is, how good he is? I think we need to ask ourselves that question because we see, you might say, an an example in Peter of a deep love for the Savior. But Peter's love is a lot like ours. It's got cracks in it too. And you'll see a few of those. It ought not to surprise us that Peter falls in, in, in a way. And what I mean by that is if you look at verse 34, you see a few things. Jesus says, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter doesn't take that warning very seriously. A little bit later on in the chapter, Jesus tells him, even pray so you don't fall into temptation, but Peter doesn't. He's sleepy. Perhaps he's misfocused. Perhaps it's the evening service. Things are tough. He's at, well, he has had a long night, Right? But Peter doesn't pray. And if you don't pray, you're going to fall into temptation. I don't want to promise that, but that's one of the means of grace. And Peter's not going there. And Peter's wondering, you're going to deny me three times, but where does Peter hang out? He's sitting in the way of sinners, of way of scoffers, isn't he? He goes to the courtyard to sit with those who hate Jesus. Not a very good idea. And again, We could probably learn from that too. If you want to fight sin, don't go to where sin hangs out. Just not a good idea. Don't be too surprised if if you fall. So there's no real surprise in that Peter doesn't stick too close to the Lord and denies him. He's so like us. There's a genuine love there, but it's got cracks. He's not vigilant. He's not fighting like he needs to fight, right? Remember Ephesians chapter 6? Take on the whole armor of God, we're fighting people? Must be. He's self reliant. So Peter genuinely loves the Lord. But as we look at the next few verses, I want to spend some time on verse 69 and following. You see also not just this, this genuine love, but this vehement denial. It seems so weird that in one person you can have both of these, doesn't it? How can he so love Jesus and yet in the next minute or next hour deny him? Well, Peter's questioned by several of them. Verse 69, he's, he's sitting outside in the courtyard. He's on the, on the furthest side. and a servant girl, because John, uh, the apostle, knows the high priest, she gets Peter in there, or sorry, he gets Peter in there. So Peter's welcomed in by the servant girl. And then there's a well, just a couple things to know. it's just one girl, and it's a servant girl. She's no rights. she's no real standing. But she sure is big in Peter's mind, isn't she? A servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. Now what would you do then? There you are. You're in the enemy's turf. Your beloved is right there. You can see him through the little window, being charged and and put up. um, they're, They're trying to kill him. And now you're found out. What would you do? I know what I would do. I'd lie. And that's exactly what Peter does. Apart from the spirit, that's what we all would do. And look at there, then verse verse 70, he denies it before them all, saying, I don't know what you mean. So first, I have no knowledge. I I don't know what you mean. I I don't have that information. You might say, "Uh, who is he, this Jesus? You might say back, well, if you really don't know him and care about him, what are you doing here after midnight? Some things just don't add up. That's what happens when we begin to lie, right? Sin wants to grow. Sin never stays small. When we take one little step, it's hungry and it wants to consume us and it asks for more. And that's exactly what you see happen in the text. It's getting too hot for Peter, so he moves a little bit further away from the fire. Verse 71, he went out to the entrance and another servant girl saw him. And says now to the bystanders, a few more people involved now, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Now what? You've already taken the one step down. I I did the... um, well, I'll just go there for a minute. I did this with my mom once. I, I just a little lie where I was, and I didn't tell her the truth. And moms are just smart. She knew the next question to ask, and I had to make a bigger story to cover that. Then I had to make a bigger, and it just didn't work after a little while. That's what you see happening here with Peter, don't you? He he says at first, "I don't know what you mean," but now he adds a little more strength to it. He denies it now with an oath. So. Curses on me if I know and love this man. I do not know the man. May God be my witness. He getting pretty serious. A little while later, the bystanders come up to Peter, and he's got one of those accents. I was at, this, I was at a wedding this just yesterday, I think it was, and this one guy said, rough. <laughs> like, that's a dog bark in Canadian. Um, but no, it's, it's roof. That's, that's how we say it. And it's just that accent gave away where the guy was from not very difficult. Well, Peter's a Galilean. He speaks with, with a, a little, well, he speaks funny. Let's just put it that way. And the folks in Jerusalem would mock the, with the, uh, the Galileans for it. So they hear his accent, and so they know of a certainty then where he's from, and that's where Jesus did most of his ministry. He's from Galilee. He says rough, not roof. Work with that, okay? Um, we can't speak Greek here tonight. It just wouldn't be good. So, but again, Peter, Peter responds and he begins to invoke a curse on himself and to swear. So now it's not just an oath, but he calls down curses on Jesus himself. That's probably what that little section means where he, he calls a, a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. That's the depth of Peter's denial. Curses on Jesus himself. That's how scared he is. That's how fearful he is. That's how much his self-protection Stand strong. You see, the, you see the, the, um, the potency of sin, don't you? Where it wants to gulp Peter down whole. And it's got a grip on him. He, he gives it an inch. And it takes more. And it takes more. And it takes more. And Peter sinks down to the depths of the earth. It's about as dark as you can get. I think we have to pause here too. The gravity of sin. Peter's sin is very grave. That's a big deal to deny the Lord Jesus. It's a big deal. And yet, how often does our testimony clash with how we live? I don't suspect that most of you deny Jesus, at least where you call down curses on him. But how do we walk? How do we live? We bear the name of Christ. Don't take His name in vain. And yet so often we sin flippantly as if it's not a big deal. No, sin brings us to hell. That's how grave sin is. And there are complications. Peter sinned just after the Lord's Supper. He's spent three years with the Lord Jesus. He's seen his whole ministry. But what can we say? We've seen the whole ministry of Christ in the Word. Sin is a big deal. And we are weak. Our actions don't proclaim, I love Him, I know Him. No, it's good for us to remember how weak we are, how prone we are to wander. You know that song, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I think we're meant to resonate with that. You might say duplicity. We do love the Lord. We want to honor Him. Yet almost in the same breath we we mar it so deeply with our sin. But that's not where the text ends, does it? As soon as he calls down these curses, look at the very end of 74. Immediately. That's a mark word. It's not supposed to be in Matthew. But immediately the rooster crowed. God in his great mercy, the God who is rich in mercy sends this rooster to open its little beak, to crow out, to get a hold of Peter's heart, to prick his conscience, no, to to stab his conscience, so that he turns away from himself and he sees again the God of grace. That's what's going on. God in his rich mercy pursues Peter. So let's take just a minute and look at that. I want you to hear that shrill cry of the rooster. I want it to pierce your heart. I want you to hear God calling you, Sinner, what are you doing? Peter, what are you doing? Why are you wandering this way? Remember. And Peter remembered. Peter remembered. He sees himself as he really is. He sees the depth of his sinfulness. He sees exactly what he's done. He sees himself in light of who God is. And it breaks him. He remembers Jesus had said. You will deny me three times. Before that rooster crows. And then you see the work of that rooster don't you? Or the work of God through the rooster. How does he respond? I blew it. There's no hope for me. No he goes out. Finally. Away from that crowd of iniquity. And he weeps bitterly. The heart speaks. It speaks with those tears of, I've blown it, Father. I have no rights before you. I don't deserve your mercy and grace. But he doesn't look away. He looks to the Lord. I want to just read you a little bit from Matthew Henry. He writes wonderfully, This rooster's crow melts Peter into tears of godly sorrow, a sense of his ingratitude to Christ, and the slight regard he had to the greatest warning Christ had given him. Nothing grieves a penitent. That's a repentant person. Nothing grieves a penitent more than that he has sinned against the grace of the Lord Jesus and the tokens of His love. You might say, of course Peter wept. Of course he did. Because he loved the Lord. He did. And when he was confronted with his sin, it broke him. Nothing, nothing grieves the Christian more than that we sin against the Lord Jesus. That we break His law that we ignore him, of course he wept, because that was his Lord. There was a broken spirit and a contrite heart that God does not despise. The rooster calls Peter to wake up to the brilliance of God's grace. Now why do I say that? It's not exactly in the text but I think it's a fair implication because you see Peter turn back to Jesus. You not only see him be restored, but you see a new Peter. We'll get to that just a little bit later. But you see Peter... Well, let's just look at what Peter Peter experienced. Before Peter sinned, what had happened? Let me go further. Before, Before Jesus said, you will deny me three times, what had Jesus said? Let me read it to you. Take... Eat. This is my body. Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. What had Jesus done? Before Peter denied Jesus, Jesus knew that. He knew he would deny him three times. He had even predicted it. But before that, Peter is invited to the table of the Lord. Carried to the table, you guys know that song, right? Carried to the table. No, well, i better not sing it. But, but Jesus invites sinners, even before they sin, to come to Him, and to sit at the table of those who are crippled and broken and don't deserve to be there. That's what happens first, and then Peter blows it big, and then Peter sees the Lamb of God, nailed to the cross, taking His sin denial taking his hardness of heart, taking his fear of man, fear of pain, and being, having all that nailed to the cross. He sees the depth of Jesus' love. And that gets into him. That transforms Peter so that a little bit later on he can write in the book of 1 Peter, oh, he can write glorious things there. He writes about this, this depth of mercy. Chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hasn't Peter just tasted that? He's tasted the depth of who He is, the filthiness of his heart, and yet he's seen what Christ has done for him. He saw it in the Lord's table, and then he sees it on the cross. And you can't help but see Peter singing of that here as he gives glory to God. His great mercy. Born anew to me, a sinner, denying even my Savior. And just a little later, he sings Jesus' praise. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's what this rooster did. No, that's what God did through this rooster. That Peter might see the death of Jesus' mercy. That he might see how filthy he was, and yet in that moment, weep bitterly and turn to, not away. Not turn to self. Not try to fix it in his own steam. But to rest in the one who died for him. So as you look at yourself, as you consider your own heart, do you love him? Well, oh, look to Him. Look what He's done for you. And let that, let that captivate your soul that you live for Him. And as you see your brokenness, don't try to fix it in your own strength. We, like Peter, are broken. We're prone to wander. But we've got a pillar to stand on. We've got a foundation rock. We've got a rock of refuge. The one who's, who's paid the price. And that's the same one who was raised up from the dead. And the significance of that is this. You may not have the power, but He was raised in power, and that same power is worked in you who believe, so that you may live for His glory. So look to the Lord. Think about that rooster. No, think about that pricking of your conscience. Let it press you back to the Lord Jesus. Let it remind you of His deep love. Spend time on that. Ponder it. And let that move your heart. Not to sin, not to deny, no, to move away from those things, and to live fully out of the love of the Lord Jesus. Won't you do that? It's the best way to go. Let's pray together and ask Him to help us. Father, that little phrase, prone to wander, resonates. Too much with us in a way. We spend a day delighting in you and then Monday it seems to fade so quickly. Sometimes our hearts are so hard Oh, we hear of your love. We go, yeah, that's interesting. But it doesn't, it doesn't move us. Some of us have very deep patterns of sin that we need you to take a sledgehammer to Father, thank You that Your grace is sufficient for us. That Your power is made perfect in weakness because we are weak, but You are strong. We wander, but You are faithful. You were faithful to the end. Then sustain us and keep us. Holy Spirit, enlarge our hearts to live in light of who You are, what You've done. Help us love like Peter loved. And keep us from wandering. Strengthen us then to resist sin, the devil, the world. Make us fight it. Because of a surpassing love of knowing You, our Savior and Lord. Give us roosters. Give us things that will prick our conscience. That will remind us of Your mercy and Your call to follow. And help us gladly walk in your pathway. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: If I could have the, el- <clears throat> if I could have the elders come forward for uh, serving the table this evening. just going to read very shortly from Luke chapter 22 again. When the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes." and he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me and likewise the cup after they had eaten saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood this morning we uh, we focused on that text and um, just remember Jesus great love for these men and Jesus great love for you that Jesus intends to communicate in his sacrament the fact that he he loves you, knows you by name, he's called you to belong to him, and he has, uh, he, love wants to express itself, and, and Jesus uh, eagerly desires to express his love to you uh, this evening in the bread and the wine. And uh, this evening we just, we we're just reminded that Jesus loves sinners. Uh, isn't it wonderful that Jesus eagerly desired to eat this Passover with Peter? and knowing exactly what Peter was going to do, and all the sins of all these men, and knowing them fully more than they knew themselves, uh, yet Jesus loved them with such great love and wants to communicate that love then to you and to me uh, this evening. And so as we uh, celebrate the Lord's table, uh, as you take that bread and you you drink that wine, receive them from the hand of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let that be Christ's tangible evidence to you, his communication uh, to you that he gave his life for you. Uh, his body was broken for you. His blood was poured out for you, uh, knowing everything about you, uh, good, the bad, and the ugly. and it's, uh, it's a lot of the bad and the ugly, <clears throat> but he knows and he loves you and he's called you. And he desires to commune with you at the table tonight. And all that's required for you then to commune with him is to come in repentance and faith, uh, to come acknowledging uh, the truth about you as best you know it, that you need a Savior, uh, you need Jesus Christ. Uh, pardon my iniquity, for my sin is very great, we sang earlier on Psalm 25. Uh, that That's your prayer, that's my prayer tonight. And we, we come in the confidence that God is willing and pleased to do that uh, as we come in Jesus' name, the one who gave His life for us, and and so let this evening then, as we come to the table, be um, communion between you and your Lord, and it's communion with each other. Someone mentioned to me after the service that uh, if you remember in Exodus chapter twelve, it was one lamb for every household, and in in the new covenant now as the old Passover passes away, there's a new household. Jesus is inaugurating a new household, the household of faith, His brothers and sisters, His. Um, spiritual children, his bride. It's a new household. And we together then proclaim the Lord's death. We don't have a priest stand up front and you have to come and receive uh, the good news from the priest. Um, We we pass the bread and the wine to each other. And as we pass the bread and wine to each other as brothers and sisters, we proclaim to each other uh, the body of Jesus Christ for you, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ for you. Let's, let's communicate the gospel to each other as we pass the bread and we pass the wine, and then we eat and drink uh, together, commemorating, remembering, uh, tasting the reality of the love of Jesus Christ for us. Just want to uh, We do ask that you be a member of a Bible-believing church since um, that's how you become a part of the household of Jesus Christ. Uh, you come under his authority in the ruling of his elders and Uh, You become part of his church, part of his bride, and so we do ask, and if you're not a member of a church or you're not quite sure, uh, we would just encourage you to come and talk to us after. We would love to help you um, work that out, and uh, and if God would will to join here at Harvest, but let us encourage you in that way. But we do ask that you just come tonight then um, needy, come uh, repentant, come in faith, uh, come believing that Jesus Christ eagerly desires to meet with you this evening. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you are present, you promised you would be, and you are present to commun- your, communicate your love to us, all that you've accomplished for us, to let us taste and touch and sense the truth of your body and your blood broken and poured out for us. I pray, Lord, that tonight each of us would take of this to ourselves in faith and that in faith Lord Jesus we would hear your voice in faith we would experience your assurance your peace your presence your blessing on our life as you Remind us that you loved us as you gave your life for us, and you love us tonight, and you will love us and go with us until we see you face to face, and once again, you will take up the cup and drink with your household of faith in a new heaven and a new earth. And so, Lord, bless us this evening. May we we, um, experience all that you have for us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Our Lord Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he said to his disciples, This is my body, which is broken for you. As the bread is being distributed, we're going to sing together, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, tune my heart to sing Thy Grace. Lord Jesus has given us uh, this supper, and he promises his presence, his blessing, his assurance. This is my body, he said. Do this to remember, do this um, to know, to be convinced uh, that this is for you, and, and just put your name there. This is, this is Jesus for you, Drew, and Dale, and Don, and Jamie, and Carol, and Ann, and Mark, and whatever your name might be. This is the body of Jesus Christ broken for you. Do this in remembrance of him. Our Lord Jesus also took the cup. Specifically, the cup after they had eaten the third cup, the cup of redemption, the cup that commemorated the, the pouring out of the blood of the Passover lamb, and Jesus said uh, to them, "This is the cup. Uh, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the remission of sin." Mind you, the wine is on the inside rings, the grape juice is on the outside ring. We're going to sing together, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Here, O oh my Lord, I see Thee face to face, and touch and taste and handle things unseen. Uh, this is the banquet table of the Lord that uh, assures us there's a banquet that's yet to come, and Jesus Christ invites you then tonight. If you are thirsty, whoever is thirsty, let him come. If uh, you'd like to buy, in, uh, buy wine and milk without money, without cost, uh, the free gift that God gives in Jesus Christ, then drink and remember And believe the blood of Jesus Christ poured out as complete, forever remission of all your sin. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us these tangible, physical elements. And that you've connected this bread and this wine to your body and your blood in sacramental union so that, Lord Jesus, you want us to know that as we, as we take the bread in faith, as we drink the wine in faith, we can know that we have participated in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that his sacrifice was for us, that blood atones for our sin. It has been placed upon our life and we are now under its covering. And we have a refuge, Jesus Christ himself, and all of his righteousness. And we have a, a companion and a friend at the right hand of God. The one who loved us and gave his life for us and loves us this very moment. And will love us to the very end. And so we are not alone. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would leave this table with hearts devoted to you, with a faith that's convinced, with a hope that is certain, with peace that passes understanding, for we know that we leave this place hand in hand with our God. And so, Lord, bless us, your people, your blood-bought people, Lord Jesus, thank you, for this table. Holy Spirit, bind us in these truths. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to receive a benevolent offering as we uh, have an opportunity to share with others the love of Christ, benevolent offering, and then afterward we'll uh, close with a benediction and to Him.